What would you identify as your favorite side on the NFL Week 12 slate? Um, there are actually uh, two sides that I bet today and that mm. that uh, I like a lot at the current prices. Uh, once it's the um, Houston Texans uh, at home against the uh, Jacksonville uh, Jaguars. Um, the Jaguars have gotten better on offense in, in recent weeks. When you look at like underlying um, efficiency metrics, uh, passing EPA, uh, EPA per dropback success rate. The Jaguars are um, top 10 over the last, I don't know, five or six weeks. Um, Calvin Ridley, early in the season, he was just like that outside threat and they they didn't move uh, him across the formation. And um, against, against the Titans, all of a sudden, he's running routes over the middle of the field, maybe a little bit more versatile. Um, but I think over the over the course of the season and also in recent weeks, I've been more impressed with the Houston Texans offense. And I think it's going to come down to both passing offenses because it's hard to run the ball on the Jaguars all season long. Um, it's also gotten a lot harder to run the ball on the Texans in recent weeks. Both defenses, I think, since week six rank top six to the top seven in uh, in uh, um, rushing success rate on defense the jaguars have gotten uh, have gotten up uh, a, a few more big plays on the ground but overall pretty decent run defenses and both offenses also cannot run the ball all season so i think it will really come down to who can throw the ball better and right now i give a tiny little edge towards the texans here um i think that you uh, Jago's passing defense is a little bit overrated. Um, Cedric Stroud, I mean, he is, I think, right now very matchup proof. When you look at coverage distributions against which coverages he is the best at, he's basically like very good against every coverage that opposing the defense has won. He is uh, at the top of the league in terms of EPA per play and success rate. Um, uh, from clean pockets. So when he doesn't face pressure, the Jaguars defense is um, bottom six in pressure rate, ranked 29th in PFF's pass rushing grade. So I think that there will be a lot of opportunities for the Texans passing offense to thrive in this game. And on the other side, the Texans defense is not great against the pass. I don't expect them to put the clamps on, on uh, Trevor Lawrence. If there's one, maybe somewhat of an advantage for the Texans. It's that Trevor Lawrence has been much worse against zone coverage this season. He's been much better against man coverage. He didn't put up or hasn't put up great numbers against cover three, cover four kind of defenses. Texans defense plays a lot of zone. A combined 50% um, uh, cover three, cover four. So that might be a small advantage. But overall, I, I right now, I just trust the Texans offense especially their passing offense a little bit more. Uh, also, it helps, well, it might help that there's a Kyle Shannon disciple going against the defense. Um, I mean, just two weeks ago, Shanahan did whatever he wanted with that defense. So, um, yes, um, overall, I I like the, the Houston Texans here. I think that the, the, the number right now is a little bit too high. It should be closer to pick him, in my opinion, maybe. Uh, Houston Texans on the my line uh, on the my line at small favorites, but yeah, I'm going with the Texans here. 
Gotcha. And when we look at the point spread, I'm seeing Jags minus one and a half pretty much painted across the board. The one number that stands out is a minus two and minus one and a half to minus two, or in the case of the Texans, plus one and a half to plus two, oftentimes a trivial difference. But the reason this stands out to me, Suma, is that that plus two is at Circa. And oftentimes, if you're looking to take a team at the best price in the world, and that price happens to be at a book like Circa, that might be a little bit telling. Does that give you any hesitation? Or is it just that the difference between one and a half and two, plus the other points you've already outlined, still means a green light to proceed with the Texans here? It always does because, uh, I mean... I've got my spank odds open right now, and the, the 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 first three columns are basically Pinnacle, Chris, and Circa. And every time Circa is hanging a a number that basically screws away for my bet, I'm always a little bit concerned inside. But it, it's still early, and the, the the Texans have gotten bad a lot this season. So maybe I wake up tomorrow morning, and this number went down to one. Understood there. And I believe you said there was a second game you liked as well. Did I hear you correct on that front? Yes, exactly. Uh, it's the uh, Steelers uh, minus one pretty much across the board. Only Pinnacle uh, went up towards minus two. I think there was a release earlier today um, on the Steelers, uh, which brought that number up. Um, I like the Steelers here. Um, it's It's not the OC change because I like the Steelers before that OC change. I think that our seed change is pretty much justified. Um, over, over the past couple of weeks, I think, let's say last five or six weeks, I, I did the query yesterday. The Steelers offense ranks, I think, first or second in EPA per rush and fourth in success rate uh, on the ground. So their run game has been really working, but there was no connection between the run game and the passing game. And, I th and maybe... That was the reason why Matt Canada had to go ultimately. And maybe the, the new OC will find a little bit more connection between the one and the pass and slash play action, play action game. Uh, I think Ben Solek from The Ringer had a great um, video breakdown on uh, why those are or those have become issues with the, with the Steelers' offense. But in general, um, it's more like I don't trust jake browning to run this Bengals offense because this offense t higgins dnp today hamstring injury tough i i lean towards him being out and this this offense without t higgins who is i think still criminally underrated really needs a quarterback who is accurate and on time, who can navigate the pocket and distribute the ball um, short intermediately. And Joe Burrow, when completely healthy with T. Higgins, worked it into perfection for like two or three weeks. But we also saw examples this season how the offense did not work when Joe Burrow was not 100%. And that was still the same mind, the same arm, but he had some calf issues. And I, I, I really think that Joe Burrow is like special to run this offense. And Jake Browning might surprise me, but I just don't see how Jake Browning comes anywhere close to Joe Burrow when, when it comes to executing the, this offense. Um, Steelers, uh, uh, Jake Browning might hold the, the, the ball a, a little bit more, takes a, a few more unnecessary sacks against the Steelers pass rush. Um, Mika Fitzpatrick, 
three weeks removed from his hamstring injury, there's a decent chance that he might be back. He might be a decent boost for that Steelers defense. And I think that the Steelers defense has the advantage in this one. Then on the other side, I mean, I, I don't really trust that um, Steelers uh, passing game, but I think that the Bengals defense has been really, really bad when compared to expectations going into the season. Yes, Big Lou, their DC is always good to come up with a very specific game plan to get uh, the best out of opposing quarterbacks. But I think that the Steelers offense will be able to run the ball well on the Bengals below average run defense. And that might open up some stuff in the in, in the in the passing game. So this I expect this to be a classic Steelers football, pound the ball, play, play good defense, maybe win the turnover battle kind of game. And yeah, um at at minus one it it was a bet to make for me. All right, so Pittsburgh minus one, as well as Houston plus one and a half, or perhaps some interest in Houston at plus 105 on the money line. Taking on the Jags would be two looks for Suma as far as sides go in week 12. I'm going to go with another AFC team, and I will say I had this written down before tuning into forward progress right before we hopped on this show. And whenever I jot something down and then Rob Pizzola touches on some of the same points, I feel validated as a better. So my look here is New England minus three at the Giants. Good up to minus 120. And I will note in the spirit of full transparency here, last week's win taking the Browns against the Steelers boosted my record on the season on the show to a whopping three and eight on sides. So Suma, I guess that puts me two games ahead of our good friend Hitman for context but still plenty of room for improvement and uh, I, I hope that hitman's on the upswing i hope to continue the upswing in my own right as well looking to the patriots to achieve that this week and three core pillars to the handicap that i'd put together here first off looking at the quarterback situation for both teams for new england i know it's a big question mark but it's hard for me to see it getting any worse than it's been recently for the Giants, I think when it comes to their quarterback performance, it's hard to see it not getting worse than what we saw last week out of Tommy DeVito and company. DeVito's passing numbers look good, and credit to last week's guest, Sharp Clark, also does a lot of good work on the Forward Progress channel. Clark's prop bet was DeVito over 160 and a half passing yards, and that one cashed comfortably before halftime. I just don't think DeVito's in store for a repeat performance this week. Because the Giants won the game, I think it's going a bit underreported or, or underspoken in the sports media verse that DeVito was sacked nine times, hit 11 more times against a Washington defense that had traded away its two best pass rushers. So I think the Patriots defense set up for success in this matchup. And beyond the quarterback play, turnovers played a major role in what we saw out of the Giants last week. They were plus six in turnovers for the game, and they were plus five in turnovers when Washington had the ball and was driving in Giants territory for a potential game-winning touchdown. So that sixth turnover, a pick six really sealed the game, but it was hanging in the balance despite the Giants having a monster edge in a turnover metric that is very informative into how any one game will play out, but not so predictive in terms of what we could expect to see moving forward. And last but not least, Suma on the Ford Progress Show today. You mentioned this is your headline for the game. I think the window could be closing on a tried and true angle. It might be our last call to find value betting Bill Belichick against a rookie quarterback. So all this considered, I'm in on the Giants. Excuse me. I am not in on the Giants. I'm in on the Patriots against the Giants, laying three points with New England, considering it good up to minus 120. Suma, any thoughts on the handicap or this matchup that's uh, not all that fun, but maybe offering a little bit of bet betting value? Patriots at the Giants. 
I completely agree with that uh, and w with everything that you have said. Um, I mean, Dan Rivera, <laughs> very good question. I mean, six and all on turnovers, like hitting a few wide open guys, like that game felt so unsustainable going forward. And for as bad as the Patriots were, they are still clearly one tier above the Giants, in my opinion. Um, uh, Patriots might get a a a little bit healthier on on uh, defense. Um, pretty interesting stat is that Matthew Junon is still the um, sack leader for the Patriots, despite being out. I think he had a torn biceps or thumbs or, or something for, for like uh, seven weeks or something now. Um, but I still think that this Patriots defense still has enough horses to not getting beat by by Tommy DeVito. I think that the Pats will be very good at defending the run, and then it's basically, can Tommy DeVito make consistent plays to be the Bill Belichick Patriots defense? And my answer would be no. And on the other side, this this might be a game where the Patriots win the turnover battle. I mean, you always want to win the turnover battle. It's, it's very easy to say. But um, Patriots' run defense has been uh, working in, in recent weeks. Giants not that great at defending the run. So the Pats will likely lean on their run game and uh, ask McJones if he plays not to make too many mistakes. And that might just be enough. I mean, I have zero trust in this Giants, and, and, in this Giants offense. All right. A lot of good food for thought as far as sides go this week. Suma, I want to work in some teaser talk as well as we do regularly on this show when it comes to the week 12 teaser slate always looking at that classic model first off teasing through the key numbers of three and seven ideally laying no more than minus 120 sorry if you're in nevada elsewhere if you've got DraftKings or some offshores shopping around should offer that price point for some plus ev teasers this week i'm seeing forfeits based on that model as the board currently stands Detroit minus one and a half hosting Green Bay in the first game of a Thanksgiving Day triple header. And then moving on to Sunday, Houston could be taken up to plus seven and a half, potentially plus eight at some spots, hosting Jacksonville. Tampa Bay up to plus eight and a half at Indianapolis, as well as Cleveland up to plus seven and a half at Denver. Suma, among those four options or perhaps anything else, I'm seeing San Francisco take some money. It looks like the first seven and a half, uh, seven and a half are starting to come up. So, um, any thoughts on the four games I mentioned or anything else that's catching your interest for teaser potential across the week 12 board? Yes, uh, pretty much agree. Um, San Francisco is also on my radar. Um, Detroit, San Francisco is a great teaser, in my opinion. I think now when looking at the board, I think KC might hit the teaser window as well. Mm -hmm. Chris is shaded towards uh, Las Vegas. There are a few PPH is shaded, uh, bet online is shaded. So I might not be, I, I will not be surprised if, if we get KC into the window, uh, into the teaser window, will be a, um, a, a teaser for me. I also kind of like the Browns teased up at Denver. Browns took money today, but it's still a one and a half pretty much across the board. So teasing the Browns up, I'm I, I just, I mean, there is, some bad potential variants with GTR where he has a game where he completely collapses with like three turnovers. I, I just don't see the Broncos winning by nine plus in this one, to be honest. Uh, sorry, uh, eight plus in this one. Um, I think Broncos will have a very hard time against that 
Browns defense. On the other side, Browns should be able to run the ball well, use a lot of uh, short passes and maybe tight end screens to David and Joko. So, uh, yeah, I think overall Detroit, San, Fran Detroit San, Fran San Francisco, Cleveland, and maybe KC if it gets there would be my teaser options to look at. And if you were to narrow it down to two right now, if I'm to force you to say two-team, six-point teaser, it sounds like maybe waiting to see what happens with San Francisco and Kansas City. So at the moment, maybe Cleveland and Detroit. Am I reading that right? Or what you what would you say if you were locking in a two-teamer at this moment? Right now, I would go with Detroit and, and San Francisco since KC is not officially there. I mean, there are uh, that. I mean, San Francisco is shaded towards the seven and a half. So if you tease it down to minus one, and you think that we will see a flat seven and a half, I mean, that's still a very decent teaser, in my opinion. All right, I am with you on the Lions, and I think we had a comment earlier. We did, uh, also from our good friend Dan, about the Lions seeming short after the Packers injury report. That teaser should be a home run leg. Whenever anything sounds too good to be true, I'm always uh, you know, a little bit cautious about completely unloading on one side, but I really do like the notion of getting behind the Lions at this number. I think it's a classic case of taking a superior team at home to do little more than win outright. And I also think that a lot of talk I've heard this week about the Green Bay offense improving might be a bit of a mirage. If we look back on their game winning drive last week, and I know this is a painful topic for both of us, myself as a Chargers fan, yourself as oh, a Chargers man. better last week, that game winning drive included Jordan Love fumbling the ball, but the Packers recovered. Then on a third and 20, Chargers pass interference on a pass that wasn't really even a competitive play from the offense, gave Green Bay a fresh set of downs. Then the Chargers had a missed tackle, probably multiple missed tackles on a short dump off to turn it into a huge gain. And then a, a pretty rough miscommunication on the final play of the drive to allow what turned out to be the game winning touchdown pass for the Packers. So I think if all those things don't happen, some of the narrative around Jordan Love's improvement and Green Bay's offensive improvement as a whole might be a little bit tempered. And then I will acknowledge Detroit's defense, the improvement on that side of the ball, also not as significant as it had seemed at points earlier in this season. But barring a Chargers collapse last week, I just don't think the Packers are getting as much love as they've been getting in recent days. And Aaron Jones's absence. I know it's very in vogue in 2023 to say running backs don't matter, but his absence compared to the other options in that Packers backfield could be impactful here. So all things considered, Detroit down to minus one and a half, my favorite teaser leg of the week. And I'm going to pair them with the Browns. You touched on a lot of reasons why, so I won't belabor the point. But with that elite defense, and I feel like with the state of Denver's offense, the Broncos not equipped to beat this team by much of a margin in this one. So give me Detroit paired with Cleveland for the teaser of the week. And then as far as the possible three-teamer goes, I mean, you talked about the Chiefs and 49ers as other potentially viable options. I heard a lot of the points you made on the Texans as a side. I'd also say taking them up through a touchdown could offer some value. So I don't at all hate the notion of putting Houston in the mix with Detroit and Cleveland, where you can get plus 160 or better on a three-team teaser. And as you noted, keep an eye out for San Francisco and Kansas City as the market continues to develop with some of those bigger favorites on this week's card as well. Sumo, we've covered sides, we've covered teasers. Let's get into props right now. I know that you were doing some last minute digging. So if you don't have as much conviction on a prop as you did on what you broke down with sides and teasers, that's totally okay. But what are you looking at right now? If there's anything that does stand out and, and how much conviction would you really have behind possibly putting a bet behind it? Yeah, uh, I was looking for some Sam Laporta props uh, because I think he might have a very decent game 
um, against that. Uh, I mean, that Packers defense. I think they are really, really bad. Uh, Jay Alexander was limited twice today. I, I, I have not checked um, uh, tracked his reports fully today. He might be back, but Devondre Campbell is uh, might still be out. And that Packers defense plays a lot of cover three. And cover three is really the go-to coverage for Jared Goff to excel against. So um, I, I, I think that tight ends can do a lot of damage against that uh, defense. I mean, last year, uh, last week, we 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 saw a, a Chargers uh, third stringer basically getting a a huge I, I don't know 72 yard touchdown against that defense. I think uh, Sam Laporta is good for like uh, five or six catches with a decent yardage. So those were props that I was uh, looking right before the show. Got it. And looking for the most up-to-date numbers, I can see it looks like Laporta currently lines at almost across the board, 46 and a half, shaded a bit to the over at one of the sharper books that's known to take a bet at this market. So where you can find it at a flat 46 and a half at other books, maybe there's some value there. Also receptions, four and a half, a pretty flat minus 115 or so at most shops. Um, between those two or any other angles, is there one number that you would identify as intriguing you the most when it comes to Sam Laporta tomorrow morning? I would probably go with the yards because um, there might be a game state where the Lions like completely hammer the Packers, uh, basically the 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 fatter tail outcome, and that way they might come down lean more towards their running game. So I could see like Laporta having like one or two big plays, but maybe not necessarily going at uh, going towards five plus receptions. So I would probably take the yards or I would prefer the yards over the receptions. All right. Sam Laporta over 46 and a half receiving yards on Thanksgiving and Suma. I will keep the earlier in the week NFL slate rolling with our teaser talk here going to Black Friday. Looking at Brees Hall over 13 and a half rushing attempts, I am seeing that at minus 114 at a leading U.S. regulated book. I consider it good, a, a decent bit above that as far as the juice we're laying, but but some of these over 13 and a half attempts for Hall are quite juicy. I think it might be more analogous to 14 and a half closer to a flat minus 115 if we're doing a bit of educated guesswork on the value of one carry. Of course, if all lands on 14, we want to be mindful of the repercussions of that relative to the number we're getting on this prop. But if we're looking at over 13 and a half or, or even good up to 14 and a half at flat minus 115 VIG, I think of something I heard from G Stack George on Forward Progress yesterday. He talked about the Jets probably looking to minimize variance with their quarterback change to Tim Boyle. That could entail more handoffs to Hall just to try to get something productive out of the offense and minimize any potentially negative swings that the Jets offense has grown all too familiar to during the Zach Wilson era. And also just looking at this game from an overarching standpoint, I like the Jets against the spread when we're talking double digits. And if this game happens to be close, then I think that lends itself to a more favorable game script for Hall to get more carries out of the backfield. But Suma, I know that you're much closer to the Jets as a fan of the team. So I'm curious to hear what you think about the odds of the Jets feeding Hall in their Black Friday matchup against the Dolphins. I think they will feed Hall at least early in the game. I think you really want this game not to get out of hand quickly. Um, so um, if the Dolphins can put early scoring pressure on the Jets, 
we saw might not get there, but I think that the Jets will approach this game as they are going to play a close one with a lot a lot of quick short passes, lots of Brees Hall runs. The issue is that I don't see how the Jets will have a good running game because that that offensive line is in shambles. They could not run the ball at all in recent. Now Mikai Beck might also be out. Dolphins defense has been gotten better, so the Dolphins don't really need to respect like the passing game a whole lot. So um, the only thing to worry about is that it could get out of hand early and the, and the Jets will be forced to air it out and will likely see more uh, hall touches th- through the air at some point. But overall, I think that's probably the right approach and you are probably thinking like the Jets offensive staff in terms of how they will approach this game. Um, spread, I uh, cannot get there at nine. I mean, at 10, maybe a little bit, but I make this game about nine and a half right now. Um, I think there's a scenario in which Tim Boyle is like that solid game manager that surprised us a little bit. But I think there's also a scenario in which he's worse than than Zach Wilson because with Zach Wilson, you still always had the chance for a scramble and not only a scramble to get like first downs but just a scramble to throw the ball away just just throw the ball out of bounds which is better than taking a a like deeper sack or something and the the best offensive play for the Jets this season has been Zach Wilson scrambles on on 25 scrambles he's averaging 0.05 EPA per play that's better than the Jets passing game or than the Jets rushing game so if you take that away you have a statue behind a bad O line in a questionable offensive system against a big Fangio defense that's getting better and better that scares me a lot and that's why I could not personally touch the Jets at this number. I hear you on that. And I think one of my biggest takeaways is the reason for identifying attempts versus something like yardage or banking on more production out of Hall could be that, yeah, the the attempt itself is in trouble if this game gets out of hand. But with the attempts, at least if the Jets try to feed Hall early and often, it's not banking on the offensive line really moving Miami's defense too much. It's just more of a volume play, trying to protect Boyle a little bit. So Hall doesn't have to be all that productive to go over this number. So that's maybe a little bit of protection relative to a yardage prop, almost the antithesis to why you like Laporta yardage over relative to his receptions number. Yes, gotcha. All right, well, that covers it for sides, teasers, and props this week. At this point, I will plug in my weekly reminder to the audience that I'm partnering with the team over at Right Angle Sports in an affiliate capacity this season. And with its team of pro sports betters, Right Angle Sports has built a reputation as the gold standard for picks. They've got something for everybody, whether you're looking to check out their NFL offerings or their college basketball service, which has an unparalleled track record of success. If you're interested in giving it a shot, no obligation, but you can support Props and Hops by supporting Right Angle Sports. I've built a custom link you can check out to do so. It's tinyurl.com slash raspicks. If you're with us on YouTube or in podcast form, that link is in the show notes. And on Twitter, that link is in the show's profile bio. Moving on, let's go through a rapid fire rundown of the picks that Suma and I have shared so far on this show. The Props and Hops NFL Week 12 portfolio, as far as sides go, Two of them, courtesy of Suma. First up, Houston, plus one and a half hosting Jacksonville. Consider also mixing in some plus 105 on the money line for the Texans. 
and also Suma on Pittsburgh, minus one at Cincinnati. I'm on New England, minus three at the Giants, and consider that good up to big of minus 120. As far as teasers go, Suma is interested in Detroit, minus one and a half hosting the Packers, paired with the 49ers, minus one at the Seahawks on a Turkey Day teaser. Both of those games bookending the Thanksgiving triple header. I'm aligned with Suma on teasing Detroit, and I'm pairing them with Cleveland up to plus seven and a half at Denver. As far as props go, Suma on Sam Laporta over 46 and a half receiving yards, and I'm on Brees Hall over 13 and a half carries. That number is a bit juicy, is a lot of shops. So I would say don't lay more than minus 130 on that 13 and a half number. But if you see 14 and a half at a flat minus 115, I also like that to the over for Brees Hall rushing attempts against the Dolphins on Black Friday. 